BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. On the line with us is our old buddy Greg Palace, the investigative journalist, author, filmmaker, his most recent, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. GregPalace.com is the website, and Greg underscore Palace is the Twitter handle. And Greg is in Switzerland, where he just got married. Congratulations, Greg. Thank you very much, Tom. I'm up here in the Alps, so thank you for that. I'm wearing my hat that was made for my wedding. And I have to say, of course, while normally this would be a very happy time, and it was on my wedding day, but two days later, my ring bearer, Jevin Lamar, the hip-hop artist out of Dayton, Ohio, who was with me, got the call that his cousin, T.J. McNichols, was shot dead by the Dayton shooter. And another relative of his, a distant relative of his, was a second victim. Wow. Wow. So uh, the police, the Dayton police held a press conference and said that they were still investigating. But from everything that they had learned so far, it looked like this was not, you know, there had been these rumors because apparently some black men were shot along with this guy killing his white sister. He was a white guy that he was upset she was dating a black man. Apparently that's not the case. But I don't think we really know what's going on here. Well, from the information I have, and by the way, I'd like to say I'm just sticking to the honeymoon, but I still have my reporter's hat on, as sure. you see. And so I've been talking to people who have some connection to the shooter, as well as obviously the victims, because from our own team, it's been very, very difficult here. Jevin is on his way back to the United States, Jevin Lamar. And so what we've found is this last shooter is not a white supremacist. He doesn't post a manifesto on 8chan. But what all these shooters have in common, they're young white males who are losers, who have lost lives. And so in the case of the racists, they listen, you know, I've been to Trump rallies, et cetera. They listen to all the crap on HN, white supremacy, because they want to know why they're going nowhere in their lives. And they're told it's black guys, it's immigrants. And I'd like to point out in the case of the California shooter that he said not only, you know, it's the Mexicans coming in, but it's also the Silicon Valley yuppies that were pushing people like him out of the central coast of California in Gilroy, where he lived. And that's true. So you have young white men who are filled with resentment, black people, Mexicans, yuppies. And in Dayton, the reason Jevin Lamar works with me, he's my assistant producer who set up all my filming for my last film, Best Democracy Money Can Buy, about the complete implosion of this city economically. It's a dead zone. The kids there, the people there have no hope. There's no jobs. General Motors left. Delphi was taken apart by financial vultures. Every plant there closed and sent to China. NCR closed. They all closed. There's nothing there. A few hospital jobs. Yeah, yeah, I get all that, but but two points. One, I saw on TV this morning uh, an aerial shot of the house that this kid lived in. I'm assuming it was his parents' house, and it's a mansion. I mean, it looks like at least a one or two million dollar house in a neighborhood of very, very large, very fancy houses. I can tell you that the fanciest house in Dayton was just bought by a friend of mine for about $300,000. Okay. They ain't no million dollar house. All right. Well, it's a house that would have been a million right. bucks here in Portland. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it was not a slum, number one. And, and, and number two no. is if you want to talk to people about, quote, being losers economically or being, you know, getting the economic short end of the stick, 
talk to any person of color in this country. No, They're not I, out there shooting people up. I agree. So what's happening is, and I talked to Jevin about this hip hop artist, African American from Dayton, and it's, you know, again, his cousin and another relative, distant relative, was gunned down and murdered by this killer. And I hate the word shooter. He's a killer. He's a murderer. Well, and he apparently, but, uh, in addition yeah. to having a hit list, had a rape list. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe he was even an yeah. incel. But anyhow, back to you. Yes. Yeah, so what's happening is, is that we are training people in figuring out someone to blame for your dead-end life. And it is a dead-end They may have a nice home, but they can't sell it to anyone because there were nice homes in Dayton. And then the city has collapsed. In fact, maybe the resentment was the one industry's hospitals and his sister was doing well. He worked at a Chipotle and a gas station wow. in 24. I mean, one of the things that happens is, and I've been thinking a lot about this and talking to Jevin about this. And by the way, he says black people don't do this because we're already at the bottom and we are aiming upward. And we talked about this with his Swiss new relatives, my new relatives here. And if you see a gun hanging behind me, it's one of about 20 in this household. Most households are required by law to have an automatic weapon. That's because of their militia system. You have to have an automatic weapon in the house. They don't have mass killing. Right. And I ask, why is this not happening? They have ethnic hatred. They have a much bigger immigrant population in the U.S., about a tenth of their population of new immigrants, a tenth, mostly Muslims. They have massive linguistic and religious differences, Catholic, Protestants, Italians, Germans, German speakers, Italian speakers, French speakers. Why don't they shoot each other? And they say because everyone here gets a job. It's 100% effective full employment. And not only full employment, it's not working at Chipotle. It is if you want a job and you're willing to train for it, they will train you, you will get it, you will be paid well, you'll have it for life. And education is free, relatively speaking, and health care is free, relatively speaking. Absolutely. If you have something to lose here, so you don't have losers with nothing to lose. It's very, very rare. And if people are disturbed and concerned, and by the way, while you must have, by law, an automatic weapon in your house, before they give it to you, they train you, and they do make an exception. They have long interviews with every single person to make sure they aren't crazy, Tom. You know what? They really don't give automatic weapons to crazy people, and they're people who have disturbances. So are you suggesting, Greg, if we look at the arc of the economic arc of American history, and this, this is probably more about the white middle class than any other group. What we saw was the middle class, the white middle class in particular, growing radically, dramatically in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and early 80s. And then Reaganomics kicked in, and the white middle class leveled off and has been declining, basically, for the last 20 years. Whereas that's not happening in Switzerland or any other country. And the plaintive cry that we keep hearing is, why is this happening now? I had somebody call saying, well, my mother thinks it's happening because we took God out of our schools. Are you suggesting that the answer or an answer, part of the answer, is because of Reaganomics? Absolutely. And I actually did a study of this. I compared gun ownership versus killings nation by nation. There was no relationship statistically. I teach statistics. There was a relationship between homicides in a nation and the Gini index, that's what we measure inequality. Now, Switzerland right. is a much less unequal nation than the United States. Right, and inequality is a consequence of Reaganomics. Yeah. And you are upwardly mobile here. Every one of my new cousins and nephews have the jobs that they want and can get the jobs they want. No one's saying to them, you know what, the chance that you're going to have a job at Delphi and Delco in Dayton, like your dad did, is zero, you're going to get less. You have to understand, in Dayton, those people with nice houses and motorboats and vacations, they worked at General Motors. General Motors ain't there anymore. I know that Jevin Lamar, my associate producer, the hip-hop artist from Dayton, whose cousin was killed, his dad worked at Delco, a great union job. That does not exist anymore. So these kids are going down. And, and then Trump them, hands them racism as an excuse, yeah. and they grab hold of it. Yes, you got the, like, the Gilroy shooter pointed at Mexican immigrants. Right. So they give them a target, and then you know what? They give them a target, and they're surprised when they shoot at the target. What a shock, huh? Right, and Reagan pointed at Welfare Queens, and the first Democratic president after that is like, well, uh, let's uh, end welfare as we know it. Yes, and so the problem is, 
you know, again, I'm living in a nation where almost every household has guns. But I have to tell you, they don't have households where people are left left to lose yeah. and with nothing to lose. And it's very important. They just don't have this. And they're not being told by their leaders that the brown Muslims among them are the ones who are responsible for whatever problem they have. It's completely unacceptable here culturally. Yes, there are right-wing nationalists, etc., and they are very much contained and watched. It's a very different sentiment here, you know, yeah. very different sentiment. Well, they also, again, they also remember the Nazis. They, yeah. Yeah, they had actual Nazis right next door. I mean, they had actual well, Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. In fact, I should say that, yeah, their the one mass shooting was 1932, a Nazi killing anti-fascist progressives. There you go. Greg Palast, the great Greg Palast, gregpalast.com, the website, Greg underscore Palast is the Twitter handle. Once again, congratulations on your wedding and give Mrs. Money, or Bad Penny rather, my very best regards. Thank you, Greg. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Bill in Santa Maria, California. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Good to talk to you. I got a different point of view here that I'm going to try out anyway. Okay. Uh, I want to posit that racism is natural and normal. Why? Because we are ancient animals on this earth. We've inhabited it for two million years or more, and then there was pre-humans, pretty much like us. And being afraid and suspicious of the other was a survival tactic that worked very well. I mean, we needed it. We had to have it because if we saw the other walking by, walking near our tribe, that person would go back and report to their tribe where we were, and we were, you know, in jeopardy yeah. of getting What you're defining, Bill, yeah. is not racism. It's racial awareness that is, you know, noticing the other race. Racism is when you take that noticing and behave based on it in a negative way. This fascinating study with black and white rats, I don't know if you were listening when I did a whole segment on this a few months ago. Some scientists, they built this little plastic tube, transparent plastic tube, with a door on the end of it that was like a basically a, you could imprison a rat in this tube, and the door had a handle on the outside, and the rats had figured out how to open that handle. You know, they had a bunch of white rats, and they put a rat in the tube, and the other rats figured out how to get him out. And, that you know, it was like proving rat altruism, right? Rats care for other rats. But then they put a black rat in the tube, and the white rats didn't let him out. So they tried flipping it around. They had black rats, and they put a white rat in the tube. Again, they didn't let the guy out. Then they raised black and white rats together. In other words, they had a black rat mother gave birth and a white rat mother gave birth, and they took half of each of their babies and let the other ones suckle them so that these black rats and white rat pups literally all grew up together. And then they redid the experiment, and when they redid the experiment, the rats let the rat out regardless of its color of its hair. And I think that that kind of demonstrates, A, that yeah, there's a mammalian piece to this that has to do with evolutionary survival structure, but also that there's a socialization component to it. But I think we're quite different from rats, and I think you've got you to look at the Probably less aspect. so than you think. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. It's a strong argument for integration. It's a strong argument for trying to integrate our schools, aggressively trying to integrate our schools, for example, because this, you know, this starts in childhood. It's a strong argument yep. for integrating our media. Forced interbreeding would work, too, but I don't know if we can do well, that. Yeah, the, I don't think you're going to get that, but but it's that was Jefferson's weird fantasy, and it was kind of sick and twisted. But that study with the rats is fascinating, and I think it tells us a lot about how we need to respond to some of these issues. The worst sound in the world is your alarm clock when you haven't gotten enough sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, and even if it's a, even if instead of a ringtone, it's a song and you like the song, it's still, I don't want to get up there. Why didn't you get a good night's sleep? Uh, could be because your bed was the wrong temperature. Now imagine this, the surface temperature of your bed gradually adjusts to wake you up gently and naturally without the sound of the alarm. Literally, imagine waking up rested and alert being awakened by your bed 
This is not science fiction. This is the new Pod by 8sleep. The Pod by 8sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. There's a reason why Time Magazine calls 8 one of the best inventions of the year. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, you can now have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed with no more alarm clocks. You can get the pod, the most advanced sleep system on the market at 8sleep.com slash Tom. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash Tom. Try the pod for 100 nights. If you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. Once again, that's 8sleep.com slash Tom. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash Tom. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. So uh, one of our listeners, Rick Kaiser, uh, sends me a note. He says, uh, the crack staff at NBCNews.com uh, put together a backgrounder on the El Paso shooting, listing the top 20 mass shootings in U.S. history in descending order. And so he goes through and does the math on them and turns out top 20 mass shootings. LBJ had one. Reagan had three. Bush 41 had one. Bush the elder Clinton had one, Bush the junior had one, Obama had six, and Trump has had seven. So far, adds Rick, with the El Paso shooting, Donald Trump surpasses Obama and has already had more of the top 20 deadliest on his watch than any other president in 70 plus years, and he hasn't even completed his third year in the White House. Insane. Peter in Chicago, it says here you disagree with me, so you go to the front of the line. What's up, Peter? The gun issue has been played for the last 40 years. And in the 90s and the 80s, gun bans, gun bans, we banned them. It's not the guns, and you guys continue. Yeah, it absolutely is, Peter. It is the guns. Tom, do you, do you think that America has more mentally ill people a, than any other country in the world? Are you really trying Tom, to make that argument? Tom, do you know there was a third mass shooting this weekend? There, there are probably several of them. No, no, there's no, been over. No. There's been thirty. There were more people shot in Chicago this weekend, Tom, than huge. Or than uh, oh my God, black in people in Chicago. That's your talking point, Peter. Really? No, 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 no. Liz, I, you, you know, uh, Peter, I'm. I am so sick and tired of this kind of crap. I, I just, you know, I, I have. I've lost my tolerance for it. You can take this stuff and shove it where the sun doesn't shine. Number one, we know. And, the, and this is not even in dispute, right? There have been over 30 studies now since 1997 when the first one was published that show that the more guns you have in a society, the more you're going to have people die. Suicides, homicides, crimes, all of the above. Number one, the more guns you have, the more gun deaths you will have. This isn't just like good science. It's common sense. You'd have to be stupid to believe that that's not the case, number one. And number two... You've got Trump out there cranking white supremacy as a campaign strategy, which Republicans have been doing since 1964, right? Barry Goldwater had the name of it, Project Dixie, I think. Oh, yeah, it was Project Dixie. And then in 1968, Richard Nixon turned it into the Southern strategy, and it has been at the core of Republican election and re-election efforts. It's just that they've never been quite as out loud and upfront about it. So now you've got these, you know, these white snowflakes out here, these pathetic incels and young white men who are terrified that their position in society is going to be threatened by the fact that over the last couple of years, more children of color were born in this country than white kids. And this has got them totally flipped out, this whole, quote, replacement theory. And then you get Trump going out there talking about immigrants and vermin and all these other things. It's just, it is absolutely predictable. According to Facebook's ad archive, this is a tweet from Natalie Martinez. According to Facebook's ad archive, Donald Trump has run over 2,200 Facebook ads mentioning the word invasion. This is since May of 2018. This is just since last year. 2,200 Facebook ads mentioning the, the word invasion. This is where we are at. This is Trump-inspired terrorism. Norris in Los Angeles. Hey, Norris, what's up? They need to stop having these kits to make the guns that you buy legal because it's not, well, you didn't buy it as a rifle. 
he bought these kits to make it pass through the loophole. Right, you're talking about the shooter in Dayton, Ohio, who was apparently using a modified yeah. weapon. Exactly. Yeah. It's all so set up for the people who want to do evil. And Sunday at church, I went to church, I find out on the news, I woke up, I normally watch the mass on TV, and the pastor almost was crying in church. Yeah. And it really hit me hard. So I decided, pray for the poor and the immigrants, everyone who is, uh, life is disturbed by this nonsense, and don't even have the, the idea anymore to pray for this president, because my prayers will be lost be given to somebody who's never going to change. I just going to apply more prayers to the people who really deserve it. Yeah. Norris, thanks for the call. Ron in Rapid City, South Dakota. Hey, Ron, what's up? Hey, Tom. Um, just uh, maybe a little bit of a twist on what you're talking about today. There is an old doctrine, an old English doctrine called strict liability in tort. If you have a deadly lion in your house and that lion or tiger gets out and eats somebody, you're the one responsible because you had the tiger in the first place, right? Yes. Yeah. And, okay. and, the, the only and so you're saying that we should apply that to guns? Well, yeah, I am. The only question in that case is who owns the lion. Right. Right? And once that's established, that's it. You know, what I wanted to say is that there needs to be a rule that says that guns are a part of that etiology. And so what should happen is that if there is a shooting over here, like we have had, the manufacturer, the shipper, the distributor, the retailer, they all need to be absolutely and, and the responsible. Ron, are you an attorney? Yes, I am. Are you familiar with the legislation that was passed? Jeez. 15 years ago, it seems like it was, maybe a little longer, that granted immunity to gun manufacturers from liability? I am completely familiar with it. So how do you get around that? Or are you suggesting it be repealed? It's got to be repealed. Okay. You know, we, we, we've got to get to the point where, what I'm telling you is we've got to get to the point where it's like the English doctrine of strict liability in tort. Yeah. Remember a tort that. is a harm, by the way, for people who don't know what we're talking about here. So, so if there's, if well, there's a harm... The harm or... Yeah, the harm is that until we get these manufacturers and these, these people in the loop, it's not going to stop. Yeah. But once you make, by virtue of strict liability and tort, once you make these critters, the manufacturers, the shippers... How is that different from how liability with regard to tobacco has changed since 1998 in those lawsuits? Oh, goddamn! it's not. I'm sorry. That's cool. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah, I got it. That's what we want to do. And, you know, we got to get, you know, once we get to the point where these distributors and manufacturers and retailers right. are on the hook... You yeah, then they'll, then, they'll have, then, then they will have an incentive to support the kind of legislation that's going to make sure that people who own guns are people who appropriately should own those guns. Ron, thank you. That's an excellent point. Tanya in Albion, Indiana. Hey, Tanya, what's up? Hey, Tom, thanks for what you do. Just an update. I phoned Representative Jim Banks' office in Washington today. Who? Jim Banks. Is he a Republican or a Democrat? Indiana. He represents you? He's, yeah, in theory. Uh -huh. He made a comment, his tweet, the violence of this weekend was perpetrated by extremists from both sides of the political spectrum. What? It's clear, yes, it's clear that those using these tragedies to attack POTUS and others are short-sighted. Oh, my. Okay, you can look up this tweet. So, I phoned, as a conscientious voter and human being and college professor, I phoned his office. The staffer, Mr. Buckley, refused to transcribe the commentary that I provided. Hmm. When I asked him to read my response back to me, he could not, right. although he claimed to be a very good typist. I spoke slowly, <laughs> 
and clearly with perfect yeah. enunciation. Well, typically what they uh -huh. do, just Tanya, just as an FYI, typically on, on an issue, you know, if you're calling about an issue, typically they just keep a, a tally sheet with check marks. You know, yes, I'm in favor of it. No, I'm opposed to it. Or if it's got two or three dimensions to it, they'll have, you know, they'll, they'll basically right. put together a little grid of, of sorts, and that's how they keep track of things. So I'm not surprised that he didn't literally write down your comments. If you want your specific comments to get to him or at least to his staff, you need to write a letter. And mail it to okay, one of the. I letter. Yeah, would but you, don't don't mail it to I the DC office. That statement? takes six weeks because they have to be could checked I for answers. Share my statement. It's really brief. Sure, go for it. Representative Banks, as a registered voter and college professor, I'm incensed by your comments on the horrible mass shootings this weekend. This is not a both sides occurrence, as you stated. To provide clarification, sir. These events are a consequence of hateful, racist perpetrators committing acts of violence against innocent people. There's the overarching theme of the utter lack of GOP effective action and effective response to the 250-plus mass shootings in 2019 thus far. I will use my voice to condemn white supremacist violent actions and mass shootings, even though clearly you will not. The voters will speak in 2020. You will not prefer the outcome. There you Please go. Please get a backbone and employ critical thinking skills. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Thank you, Tanya. Good message. I hope you can mail that to us. Mail it to a local office, though. They get their mail right away. The offices in Washington, D.C. It has to. It takes about six weeks to go through the post office anthrax machine. Thank you, Tanya. Chaz in Lakewood, Washington. Hey, Chaz, what's on your mind? Nazadrovia, comrade. Is America great again or what? Yeah, what? Hey, so uh, let me give you a pop quiz here. Here's the answers that, that here's the questions that you and everybody else knows the answers to. When uh, Australia had a massacre at the hands of uh, semi-automatic guns, what did they do? They changed their gun laws and they did a massive nationwide gun buyback program. And after seven or eight mass shootings, they didn't have another one for over 20 years. And their suicide rate, rate went down, too. Right. And when New Zealand had the same issue occur, what did they do? Same thing. They, you know, very recently changed their gun laws. Yeah. And when Norway had the same thing happen, what did they do? They changed their gun laws. Listen, in Japan, do you know how many people died at the hands of gun in 2017? I would guess one. You're close. It was three. We'll, yeah. we'll forgive those uh, other two souls. But listen, the most important thing I can ask you today is what are the last two words of the presidential oath here? I, Donald J. Trump, do swear to solemnly uphold and defend the Constitution of the United, Sta United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And domestic. That's it, Tom. Thanks yeah. a lot. Okay. Thank you. Well said, Chaz. Larry in Poconos, Pennsylvania. Hey, Larry, what's up? I'm trying to keep some sanity and balance in my life. I tune in Fox News from time to time, and I was just incensed by what I heard last night. Uh, they had a panel. Stephen Moore was on the panel. As you may know, he's this uh, distinguished... Uh, oh, he used to come out here and debate me all the time. Now, then he, then he stopped doing it because he was getting beat up so badly. Now he's in the Trump administration, isn't he? Well, he or an advisor or something. Fellow uh, program for economic growth with the Heritage Foundation. Mm -hmm. Why he was on the panel talking about the, the uh, massacres in El Paso yeah. and in Dayton, I don't know. They were saying there are no easy solutions. Uh, the panel, and then he went on to talk about advising his young daughters who like to sit in the middle of a theater, and and his solution for them was based on to quote him, people just have to be aware. This is a new environment we're living in. So this is an expression of acceptance of the status quo. Yes. Uh, he advises his daughters to sit on the aisle. Sit near the uh, exits, yeah. Yes, this is the solution to what is weapons of war and uh, magazine clips and drum clips and white nationalism, which is clearly tied to uh, our problem with domestic terrorism and this heat epidemic. It just incensed me so. He also suggested that what if he if Trump asked him what he would advise Trump to do is to create a national commission of experts looking for some solution. And then he said 
quote, like we do with public health. Well, he's, uh, uh, he must be oblivious to the fact that uh, they have uh, prohibited into issues like this. It's a crazy world, Tom. Thanks for being there. Yeah, thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Brad in Elk Grove, Illinois. What's up? I just want to use the example of crying fire in the theater. Basically, he's encouraging these people by his uh, racist and intolerant hate speech to uh, go out and do what they do. And I think he needs to be held as an accessory to those crimes. Yeah, I agree with you. The way that the law provides for the citizens of the United States and their elected representatives to hold a president to account, there's basically two ways to do it. One is the obvious one, elections, and the other is impeachment. The Department of Justice has gone so far in two different legal memos, one by Nixon's attorney general and the other by Bill Clinton's, both when these two presidents were confronting the possibility of impeachment, have said that you can't indict a sitting president. Why? Because impeachment is the remedy. So if Trump is complicit in this violence, that complicity, in my mind, is both a legal crime and a moral crime. And I think it is worthy of serious consideration in articles of impeachment. Doug in Minneapolis. Hey, Doug, what's up? Hey, Tom. Great program and great subject. Three things I want to list as former in my life real quick. Former Marine, former Republican, and former NRA member, all because of the culture that has changed with the Republican Party. I am now a proud Democrat. I gasped my NRA membership because all they do, it, it took years for me, I guess, to figure out that all they do is represent the gun manufacturers and sell guns. They right. don't care about gun safety. Yeah, I came uh, to that conclusion and quit the NRA in, I think, 2009 or thereabouts. It was about seven years ago that I quit the NRA. I wouldn't give them a dime. And having said that, I also want to touch on one other issue. Yes, guns are the problem. And no one needs an AR-15 or an AK-47 on assault-type rifle. No one needs them. Right. When I hear that, I just cringe. And the NRA has done a great job of marketing, especially the AR-15, as America's gun. Sadly, it's true. (laughs) This is the weapon of choice for mass shooters. Well, they tell more AR-15s than they do almost, almost, it's close, uh, almost more than they sell handguns around the country. But but the other point I want to make is the culture of our country. We have a gun culture. It is cool to have guns especially for the younger people. Yes, I own guns. Yes, I have a permit to carry. But I'm one of these people who are responsible with that with that responsibility. You have to be diligent. And I get sick to death when I hear Mitch McConnell saying things like it's the violent video games that are contributing to these mass shootings. Right. Maybe 1% of it could be that. Get that, or a half a percent. They have violent video games in Japan, and the entire country suffered three shootings last year. Not mass shootings. Right. Three people shot right. by bullets. Right. <laughs> and the only way we get this to change is to vote these SOBs out. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point. I'm with you. Thank I'm with you. you. For your I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Doug. I appreciate the call. Rick in Boulder Creek, California, watching us on Free Speech TV via Roku. Hey, Rick, what's up? about obviously these shooters and stuff and they're on suicide missions so the death penalty won't not always that. you know they're they're, they're uh, and this and this is you know stuff that you actually see being discussed on some of these message boards is that some of these guys the ones who don't plan on committing suicide are looking forward to going to prison and joining the white supremacist gangs who basically that run was, the prisons where they will the be like, you know, the bi- they'll be a big deal in jail. Right, they'll be heroes. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm thinking, well, okay, you know, and I'm not into the death penalty in spite of the heinous acts. So we have another place we put terrorists in Guantanamo. Right. 
Yeah, you know, I think Guantanamo needs to be shut down, but I have no problem with saying that they need to be isolated from the general population and they should not be allowed yeah. to hang out with their buds. Yeah, that's kind of what the idea of Guantanamo was. You know, obviously that would be great to have that gone too, but yeah, isolated, you know, not where they get to be rewarded for being, you know, monsters. Yeah. And this is something I, I think most Americans don't realize that prisons in America, most prisons in America are actually largely run by the gangs. And the guards, you know, allow this because it keeps peace and the guards don't have to play enforcer all the time. And, and so you've got exactly. black gangs, you've got Hispanic gangs, and you've got white gangs. And, and in each one of those three areas, they then further break down into a couple of different competing gangs, typically. But the white supremacist gangs in many or maybe most prisons are the ones that appear to have the most power. And they're full-on thugs, too. So that's kind of the idea is why well, get these guys a reward, I'm, even though it's prison? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah good point. Well, good to talk to you, Mr. Yeah, thanks Tom. a lot, Rick. Let good good to hear from you. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's up? This issue, it's really simple, yet really complicated for Americans, because it involves looking at the issue of capitalism and structural changes that most people don't want to talk about. And... Um, uh, um, why is it we have so much social alienation in this country? Why, why is it because of have... inequality. Uh, there's there's inequality. an absolute and linear that's... relationship between increases in inequality and increases in social alienation. You can find all the information on Richard Wilkerson's website. Exactly. And the more inequality we're getting, the more shootings we're getting, yep. the more overdoses we're getting, the more suicides we're getting. Yep. And Trump is not making this better. I nope. can't stress this enough. He is making the situation a lot worse. And I view him simply as a rat now that we should just ignore. Yeah. Well, let's let's avoid vermin references because that's what he's doing and we're condemning. But I get your point, Jared. I absolutely get your point. Thanks a lot for the call. I don't think that we can ignore him, though. I, that, that's like, you know, the good Germans who tried to ignore Hitler. That didn't turn out all that well. Tim, watching Free Speech TV in Aloha, Oregon. Hey, Tim, what's up? What's transpiring now is a successful campaign strategy, as simple as that. He's not being held accountable for anything that the Mueller report said. You can look down months in advance. He just wants to stay in as president, as simple as that, you know. Oh, yeah. And what you have to understand is that the millennials, I live in, I, I, we've talked before, I live in the same community for 30 years, and the conversations out here are scary. There's a complacency that is really ruining this country. You've got a lot of young people whose parents are putting them through college and they're intelligent kids who learn a lot but they have, well, they don't want anything to do with the politics it's, mm -hmm. it's ridiculous every time one of these mass shootings happens what's happening is the uh, republicans are behind closed doors popping the champagne corks they know it shores up their second amendment base as simple as that okay and they can make some more money on guns and ammunition sales that's the key to this whole situation the whole world bases on on two three words process and profit and as long as the the one percenters know they can put money in their pocket. They're going to they're going to continue this lunacy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And what you need to do, Tom, and I love your show. You have to impress. I'm a retiree. I've got sons that are in their twenties and thirties, and, and they're both progressive Democrats. But what you need to do, and I find this in my neighborhood, parents have to talk to their kids and their grandkids and let them know what's going on. Yeah. You know, it has, it has to come from within the family to to have them understand the jeopardy for their future. Yeah, no, I I agree, and 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 also you know friends and coworkers and right. and you know your your the people following you on Facebook and whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Thank you very much, Tim, for the call. Steve uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Steve. I want to offer my thoughts and prayers. My thoughts are this: we ban these assault weapons, only allow pistols or deer rifles. And my prayers are that the cancerous terrorist organization called the NRA finally gets disbanded once and for all. Now, you know, there's another cancer in the room that's Fox News, and they've done more harm to this country than can be quantified. Some of the solutions we could do, we could be raising the top marginal tax rate back to the FDR levels, do Medicare and Jobs for All, as FDR wanted to do, the Jobs for All program. And again, like you've also mentioned, put the employers in jail who, are, who hire undocumented people. We need to do this as we did before the evil Reagan came along. Just start turning things back to the ways that FDR wanted to do. 
yeah, not all of them, but, <laughs> but many of them. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. And I think that we are presented right now with an opportunity as, as a consequence of these killings and Trump's response to them and the nation's response to them. Sadly, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that tragedy presents opportunity, but often yeah, that's the and, case. And, and, and the two opportunities that we have are, number one, to directly confront the epidemic of guns in the United States. And the second is to directly confront the epidemic of racism in the United States and the history of racism, you know, where it came from in this country. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, our, our biggest mistake was taking African and, um, you know, Americans against will, what, 400 years ago and bringing them over here. That, and, that was and the slaughter of Native Americans and the enslavement of Native Americans and the enslavement of Hispanic people. But, you know, mostly you're correct. Mostly people from Africa who are, and, you know, now African-Americans. We've got to recognize our own history. We've got to come to terms with it. Tom Harvin here with you. This is a uh, piece by Josh Kovensky uh, over at Talking Points Memo. I mentioned earlier, before the murders in El Paso, before that, it was 51 people, 51 murders, specifically, according to the murderers, inspired by Donald Trump, and five major terrorist plots in the United States. But it goes beyond that. Uh, in this piece over at, Talking, at TPM, uh, by Josh Kavensky. He talks about how uh, in August 2015, there were two brothers in Boston, uh, Scott and Stephen Leader, uh, who beat up and peed on a homeless man of Hispanic descent because they thought he was an undocumented immigrant. Uh, Scott Leader told police he was inspired by Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. He said, uh, quote, this is what they told police. Donald Trump was right. All these illegals need to be deported. Trump, in response to this, because it hit the news that these guys had beat up this Hispanic guy and peed on him because of what Trump said. Trump said, oh, that's a shame. And then said, the people that are following me are very passionate. They love this country. In December of 2015, a student in, at Penn State University, a guy by the name of Nick Devella, he attacked a person of South Asian descent, grabbing him by the throat and threatening to put a bullet in him. At trial, arguing for leniency in sentencing, his attorney said that he, quote, acted out of love of country and told the judge, quote, Donald Trump is running for president of the United States saying that we've got to check people out more closely, end quote. That's all my client was doing is what Trump told him, right? Daniel Rowe attacked an interracial couple in August 2016 after seeing the pair kiss. An African-American man suffered a stab wound to the abdomen in this attack. During his arrest, Rowe reportedly confessed to officers that he stabbed the couple, saying, quote, I am a white supremacist. He was bummed out because he got arrested because, quote, I want to go to the next Donald Trump rally and stomp out Black Lives Matter protesters. Right. Frank Nassara, police chief of uh, New Jersey's uh, Borden Township, slammed a handcuffed African-American suspect's head into a metal door frame. He was himself charged for this assault. He was recorded as saying that, quote, Donald Trump is the last hope for white people. In October 2016, this is just before the election, the FBI charged three Kansas men with trying to bomb an apartment building housing Somali immigrants. Remember this? They wanted to scare immigrants out of the country. They were scheduling the bombing for right around the election. He posted, the bomber, he posted, quote, a lot more people in this country need to wake up and smell the effing coffee and decide they want this country back. And in their trial in October of 2018, their lawyer argued that Donald Trump heightened the rhetorical stakes for people of all political persuasions. Of course, James Alex Fields, the Nazi, neo-Nazi Charlottesville murderer who killed Heather Heyer, quote, was a big Trump supporter because what he believed to be Trump's views on race. Parkland shooter Nicholas Cruz, part of a private Instagram group where he, quote, bragged about writing a letter to President Donald Trump and receiving a response. And it goes on. 
You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Why do we not impeach this man for inciting the hatred of one American against another? Tom Hartman here with you. I was just going through all these violent attacks. The Parkland shooter, he was a MAGA guy. Caesar Syok, the bomber who tried to kill, basically decapitate the entire leadership of the Democratic Party. Big Trump supporter. The guy in the New Zealand mosque, he said he was a Trump supporter. Anthony Camello, the guy who killed the, uh, the <laughs> Gambino family uh, mob boss. Thinking that the guy was somebody that Trump wanted him to kill. This was guy was a QAnon supporter. He, he painted Q on his hand at his trial and held it up thinking that that would cause President Trump to say, oh, gee, well, I'm going to pardon you. Don't worry. Four people in New York who were planning to bomb a Muslim community in that state. Scott Brian Haven made death threats to members of Congress, demanding that they stop hindering the president. I mean, it just goes on and on. How is this not impeachable? It's, it's just breathtaking. Kenyatta in Redlands, California. Hey, Kenyatta, what's on your mind today? I have truly enjoyed your book, The Hidden History of Guns in America, and you do an incredible job talking about the Second Amendment and its relationship to slavery and racism. But one of the things I wanted to triangulate, Tom, is I don't know if you are aware of how insidious this is in terms of the demographics of gun ownership. For instance, disproportionately in this country, who are the people in terms of an ethnic group that are disproportionately represented in prisons? They are black people. Right. The 13th Amendment allows for legal slavery in the United States if you are a black person. Further, once you have a felony on your record, you are precluded from owning a firearm. In most All states. states. I don't yeah. think that's a federal law. Okay. The point is, is that the intimidation that you spoke so eloquently about in your book that was resultant and the racism of gun ownership by whites continues. And one of the ways that that is achieved is by putting the very group that has been most abused and thusly probably more more of a threat preclude them from legally owning guns. I just wanted to, to put that out there. It's not a coincidence. If you think about law enforcement, the slave patrols, the sergeant will say, send a black and white. Hmm. Now, you know, white people will say, well, now that's a stretch. Can not, well, not, not if you look like me, it's not. So I wanted to throw that out there. I also wanted to say to you, let's not forget Gilroy, California, not far from where I am, because the shooter there, who was also another uh, crazed white man, all of his victims were people of color. Two of them, in fact, below the ages of 11 and one black man. And I got to tell you, the little boy, who I think was five or six or somewhere in there. I heard his father's interview. And as a parent myself, he said, uh, he said, you know, I, I didn't lose my child. He said he was my best friend. And for a society to allow this to continue to happen, I don't give a darn who's responsible. It's just shameful. And everyone in this country is responsible for it. Every last one of us. Yep. Yep. Well said. Well said, Kenya. Amen. Thank you very much. Larry in Gainesville, Texas. Hey, Larry, what's up? Uh, let's go through a real quick potential scenario, not a conspiracy. It's a potential scenario. Everybody knows that the underlying economic indicators are a little flaky right now. Let's say Speaker Pelosi and Congress comes back from their recess and immediately begin impeachment proceedings. Two days later, the stock market tanks. Who's holding the bag? Well, Trump would blame it on the Democrats, but I don't Absolutely. I don't know how far that would fly, particularly since the market's down well, 700 right. points right now. <laughs> I'm just telling you, they're going to wind up holding the bag. Yeah. And here's the other dot to connect. Mm. OK, when large contributors, the oligarchs who actually do call the shots, not the politicians, their owners, when they contribute, they often contribute to candidates from both parties. It's a way of hedging their bets. Yep. Okay? They're getting from this person exactly what they want. They've already gotten one massive tax cut. They're in line to get another, and they're getting complete deregulation and corporatist judges put on the bench. That's what those donors want. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely when you right. connect mm -hmm. those two dots, you can see why they can't impeach the worst criminal ever to be in this White House, ever. 
and and that worst criminal part. I mean, Andrew Jackson was pretty awful. I still think Andrew Jackson's the worst president. We'll time will tell. Larry, thank you for the call. Andrew, Andrew in Tularosa, New Mexico. Hey, Andrew, what's on your mind? Tom, I want to give a little bit of perspective here to what's going on. Perhaps steer people to allow them to come to understand with this savagery that's going on. I, I called you about a year ago and said that I'd never thought that in my lifetime we would be able to revisit the settler colonialism issue that has affected this country. And I think that we're seeing that right now. I actually think that the white male supremacy the libertarians, white, the skinheads and everything. I actually think that their behavior and their attitude was actually born, and we've seen it all before, centuries ago, in the westward movement of our country, their country, our uh, sure. political Yeah, that's one of the main, that's the kind of the main premise of my book, The Hidden History of the, of, of the Second Amendment, of Guns in the Second Amendment. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So I'm just going to ask people if they want to read this and understand it, that they can read a wonderful book by an amazing woman amongst us, Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book called An Indigenous People's History of the United States. Yeah. And when you read that, a very hard read for me, it was very hard for me to read that. When you read that, you get a chance to see this white male supremacist savagery, and they understand, you know, especially when we're talking about reparations, and they think that this country is, you know, lost to them. They don't even understand, these white male supremacists from Western Europe don't even understand about the uh, 20 and the millions and millions of indigenous native people who were here before. So I don't believe that we can solve a problem in this country until we admit Okay, what the issues are right, behind right, right. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely it's, with you, and I, I wrote an op-ed to that effect, which I'm yeah, guessing is going to get published today or, or maybe tomorrow on progressive websites. Basically, it's saying the same thing. And Anyhow, John in Evanston, Illinois. Hey, John, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's up? Oh, a lady who's the executive director of Moms Demand Action today right. on CNN, and she was very effective in saying that the only optimistic person that I've heard that there is really legislative action that they have been able to achieve in many, many states. Mm -hmm. And I'm urging people to contact that organization and give them some money. I think they're really on to something. The other thing is, Tom, I finished a book recently that's very good and kind of right on topic by Jonathan Metzl, Dying of Whiteness, How the Politics Mm -hmm. of Racial Resentment is Killing America's Heartlands. Yeah, I have that book on my desk at home. I'm, I'm about two chapters into it. Okay, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Before I called, I said, you know, it's America, the home of the free and the mass shooting. Yeah, well, tragically, the increasingly, that's how the world is viewing us, too. Thank you. Thank you very much for the call, uh, John. Kim in Olympia, Washington. Hey, Kim, what's up? Hi, Tom. I called today because I would like us to also consider Trump's racism and gun violence, white supremacy, is coming with Russia assistance. They did it in 16. They're doing it now. They're getting ahead of it. So I want to remind folks that 66 million of us rejected that racism in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And these I mean, we now know that uh, Trump has has uh, run over 2000 uh, ads on Facebook mentioning invasions by Hispanics. But what you're pointing out is what the Internet Research Bureau was doing, this this Russian oligarch-funded organization out of St. Petersburg, I think it was, or wherever it is, that was basically running the same kinds of ads and, you know, in support of the whole Trump agenda. And now it turns out that it it wasn't just the Russians, in fact. (laughs) Apparently, the Saudis, the Emiratis, and maybe a few others have been engaging in this game as well. So it's... I know you're getting to a break. Yeah. Tom, impeachment did happen for racism, and that was Johnson. Oh, you're right. Andrew Johnson. was not removed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Thank you for that, Kim. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Robert in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Robert, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up? 
why do Republicans always blame like a lack of Christianity for like all the gun violence? Oh, because it's easier than pointing out that the gun violence is the result of there being so many guns. And there's so many guns because the Republicans are taking money from the gun manufacturers and in exchange for that, passing laws, giving the manufacturers limits on their liability, uh, passing a law, the Dickey Amendment, which made it a crime for, for any person working for the federal government to compile any statistics on gun violence in the United States, actually made it a crime for the Centers for Disease Control to consider gun violence an epidemic and, and do epidemiology on it. Um, I, you know, it's the, and so if you're a Republican and you're owned by the by the weapons manufacturing industry, and you've got to respond in some way to this, you know, to to this crisis, uh, what do you do? <laughs> you change the subject. You talk about God. So that's that's what's going on. Robert, thank you for the call. Linwood in Stanton, Virginia. Hey, Linwood, what's up? The only way we're going to solve this problem is if we hamper down and focus on replacing the system of white supremacy racism with a system of justice and correctness. And since the people that are in leadership in this country who call themselves white people, that's where it has to start first. Yep. I agree. Because you're singing my song. You know, you are the most smartest and most powerful people. And you're the most productive people. But you have not used your productive talent. Well, I'm not sure about most smart, Linwood. I th- you know, perhaps most well-educated, but that's a function of, of centuries of keeping all the money and getting into the schools. Well, I get what you're saying, and there's tremendous power in the white community that could be used for good. And hopefully more and more white people are waking up as a result of Trump's behavior. Thank you, Linwood. They couldn't condemn Trump as a racist. That would have been a violation of House rules. But his tweets, oh, we'll condemn them, right? This is the same guy who said, and I quote, laziness is a trait in blacks, end quote. He said, quote, immigrants from Haiti all have AIDS, end quote. He said, if Nigerian immigrants came here, they would, quote, never go back to their huts, end quote. Um, you know, he referred to asshole countries. Uh, he, 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 he lied about uh, Obama repeatedly. I mean, this... Right now, if you were to send money to a group, whether it's in the United States or whether it was in Syria, that identified itself as ISIS or Al-Qaeda, if you were to send money to a group like that, you yourself could get arrested. That's you know, providing support for terrorism. If you were to join a group like that, you yourself could get arrested. If you were to publish on the internet or in print a magazine or article or a rant supporting al-Qaeda or ISIS, you could go to jail. And technically, domestic terrorism is illegal in the United States. But it's just technically, right? It's not actually, I mean, it's illegal, but there's no penalty to engage in domestic terrorism. So they can charge somebody with domestic terrorism, they can do an investigation. And here's why. We saw, I, you know, I lived through this. I was, I was a member of Students for Democratic Society back in East Lansing in the 1960s. And to some extent paid the price for it. And we were spied on, we were surveilled, we were instigated. When you identify a group as a domestic terrorist group, you acquire a whole brand new set of police powers. And in the case of the 1960s, they didn't actually acquire those powers. They simply took them. Whether it was the FBI or the state police, that's what they did. And we look back on that and, you know, what they did to us, what they did to the civil rights movement, what they did to Martin Luther King, and we say, we don't want that to happen again. But we actually have a problem with domestic terrorism in the United States right now. And they are killing people. And yet at the same time, if we pass laws that say, if you join one of these right-wing groups that show up to beat up left-wing protesters, you can go to jail. You know, we can all sit around and go, oh yeah, you know, those are terrible people, they should go to jail. But what happens when President Trump says, oh, by the way, Black Lives Matter is also a domestic terrorist group. Antifa is also a domestic terrorist group, which he tweeted last week, by the way. 
So if you show up at a rally for one of them or if you write a post praising them in, in Facebook, now you can go to prison. So how do we balance, literally, a First Amendment rights and a legitimate concern about too much power in the hands of government with the fact that we have right-wing terrorists in our midst? You're listening to Tom Hartman. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 